Texas Southern knocks off fam you in a big time NBA TV matchup. And I have some friends coming on to discuss Grambling's recruiting class and HBCU prospects at the Senior Bowl. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day, and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And y'all might not know the face for my first-time listeners, first-time viewers, because we are on YouTube, but I guarantee that you know the name and you know the voice. And I am Darian Gray, the mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. And if you don't know, you can check out this shirt. Y'all got to look at this on YouTube, though, so go check it out if you want to see my face. If you're tired of seeing my face, we still got audio. But it's all good because... It's our first episode on here, and it's a party, so I had to invite a couple of friends. But before we get to that, I want to talk about Texas Southern's unique path to victory versus FAMU and just the ramifications of this game. So it was unique because I said one of the biggest keys last week was they had to stop MJ Randolph for FAMU. They had to. MJ Randolph is the leading scorer in the SWAC, my personal favorite for SWAC Player of the Year. Stopping him was going to be imperative. And Texas Southern did it in a way. Yeah, in a way they did. But not not really in the way that I think you would want it to happen. He still was able to get 22 points, which was his most in five games. 22 points. He hadn't had that in a while. And let's just be honest. When you have a scorer like that who is going through kind of a slump, and it's impressive when you say 17 points in the game previous to this is a slump. But overall, you say, oh, that, he's in a slump. He's not going to stay under 20 points forever. It was going to happen, but he only shot 44% from the field. So I think that was impressive, and I think that was important because it showcased the fact that he had to continue working for his points. They weren't just coming easy. They weren't happening every two seconds. He, he, he makes every bucket he shot. That didn't happen. It was more of a situation where, yeah, he got some, but he shot eight for 18 from the field. So he put up a lot more shots than he usually does, or at least in this span of his slump. And TSU, you, you weather the storm. You weather the storm at the end of the day. And to his credit, because I think there's still a win slowing him down, but to his credit, Randolph was able to get really involved. And he had a 20-point double-double on the night. And he had a 10, 10 rebounds, and he had four assists in the game. So he was still involved, even though his shot wasn't falling, probably with the consistency that he would like it to. And Texas doesn't have their own scoring issues as well. You had Jordan Carl Nicholas. He had four points. You had John Walker. He had two points. And that wouldn't mean anything if these weren't two of your higher scorers on the team. And it's it's like, so you don't really stop for real the best scorer in the SWAC. Two of your best scorers don't really score. How do you win this game? Well, when it comes down to it, A, Nicholas was really able to find his footing and understand that, yeah, his shot wasn't dropping on that day, but he was still able to do so much more. And he stopped pushing. I thought he was pushing a little earlier in the in the game. 
But then also, it's, it's this simple. The calling card of Texas Southern is defense. And when you need something to rely on for TSU, call on your defense. And that's what they were able to do. Because I'm going to pin a little picture where you just got to follow me because they did have some people who were able to score for FAMU. But here, here's where it stopped. In the second half, with eight minutes left in the game, they went on a five-minute scoreless stretch. Texas Southern kept FAMU scoreless for five minutes. And at the beginning of that stretch, they were up two. At the end of that stretch, they were down 11. <laughs> so it's really that simple where five minutes at the end of the game, this is crucial. This is the back half of the game. We only go in halves, but this is the back quarter of the game, really. If you split it up, you go scoreless for five minutes. That's unacceptable. But not, not to put the blame on FAMU's offense, we're here to praise Texas Southern's defense. And if you look at the box score, you'll see some people who are able to score. And it might, it might trick you a little bit because I look at MJ Randolph. He had to fight for his points all game. I look at a guy like Johnny Brown. They called him uh, downtown Johnny Brown. He had 14 points, but nine of those points came in a four-possession span in the early first half. So he had nine points at that point, five, five points the rest of the game through the last 28 minutes. Then you have um, Bryce Morang, who had 10 points, but seven of those came in the first half. So your second and third leading scorers on the night, if you're FAMU, combined for a total of eight points in the second half. That's not a recipe for success. See, here's the thing. You look at the box score, and it'll tell you 22, 14, 10. Numbers don't lie. I'll admit that. 22, 14, and 10 is 22, 14, and 10. Numbers don't lie, but without context, they do omit the truth. Now, I'll allow, I'll allow you to see whether or not you want to distinguish that as a lie of omission or whatever. But it is keeping some of the truth away. And the context that you need to really understand these numbers is that when the game was on the line, Texas Southern made sure that the highest scores for FAMU were ineffective. It's that simple. They had 18 points out of Bryce Etienne. But that defense, that five-minute scoreless stretch that, that they put FAMU on, was really the deciding factor. And the ramifications of this game is that now everybody is tied almost. Southern is the immediate benefactor because they sit alone at the top of the swag, number one. But basically everybody else is, they're, they're right there too. Grambling, FAMU, Texas Southern, Alcorn, they're all at number two. So that log jam is still there because with this win, TSU jumped from four to two in, in combination with Grambling also losing this weekend. They were able to jump from four to two. So this game was already major, but the ramifications that we discussed of a tiebreaker have not been seen. The ramifications of TSU moving up from four to two and, high, and possibly being a high seed in the SWAC tournament, that we have seen. And that's the immediate, the immediate benefit of this victory. And regardless if you're talking about tiebreakers or not, ramifications of law jams, all of that aside, Texas Southern just knocked off FAMU a team that was ranked number one in the SWAC, tied for first place. They knocked them off in a big-time victory. And going forward, James Hadnot of KSLA News in Shreveport will be joining us to discuss Grambling's recruiting class. But before we get into that, I want to tell you guys about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best bar on the protein, bar none. I didn't say protein bar because it's so multifaceted that calling it a protein bar feels simple to me. If you just want to have a snack, it works for that. It's covered in chocolate. If you want to eat healthy, it works for that. Not, not any more than four grams of sugar, four net carbs. If you really want to go, to the, go get a workout in and have a protein bar, 17 grams of protein. It's truthfully that simple. Protein bars, 
they can be kind of waxy. Chocolate bars can be kind of waxy. Protein, I mean, Built Bar does not have this issue at all. You eat it, it's going to be delicious, but you don't have to feel guilty because you're still getting all of those health benefits. If it's up to me, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care if it's your first package. I don't care if it's your next package. It will not be your last package. If you go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. It's Super Week brought to you by Get Upside, and there's no better place to catch up on the big game than Locked On NFL, Locked On Rams, and Locked On Bengals, who will all be live in L.A. this week. Thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day, and today's word of the day is lugubrious. And that's a, that's a crazy one today for you guys, but it means dismal, and it means overly sad, basically, and there is nothing lugubrious about Grambling State's recruiting class. So I have James Hadnot, sports director at KSLA 12 in Shreveport, here to talk about it. So when we're talking about that, that recruiting class in Grambling, tell me what is it about Graham fam that makes them so attractive to students right now? It's really amazing what's going on right now because for them to have their largest recruiting class, like in the history of their program in the first year of Hugh Jackson, I, I really think he's making it an attractive destination. Uh, I know you talked multiple times on your podcast just about how student athletes are starting to move and kind of get closer on to HBCUs. And a coach, when he mentioned in his first introductory press conference, he's the only two-time Blackhead coach and so in the NFL, to be exact. And so because he has that type of that type of pull um, and that type of reach just kind of at that level, um, for him to now bring that to the college level, he also has – um, time in college. You know, he started in college, you know, and he, he working at University of the Pacific, where the University uh, of Southern, Cal excuse me, Southern California. And so for him to have that type of pull and that type of ability, I definitely think that that's what's bringing a lot of these student athletes in because they're looking for an opportunity. He's getting Cal transfers, TCU transfers, students out of high school, students far and wide. And so uh, that's just the reach that he has and his ability to kind of bring these student athletes in and really for them to compete because he wants to bring them back to where um, Eddie Robinson had them in, in those SWAC championships. A hundred percent. And I think one thing that possibly plays a factor, but I would love to know your side of it is the rumored and pretty much announced, but not confirmed NIL deal that Grambling has for all of their um, football student athletes. What part of recruiting do you think that had to play, even though it's not announced quite yet? I think for student athletes to know that they will for sure have the opportunity to make money on name, image, and likeness, it really brings the opportunity for them to just know for a fact that they'll be potentially getting some money. Um, like you mentioned, it's been reported by Pete Thamel um, and one of our reporters that is in this market but works for a different station talked to the athletic director before. And when the NIL first dropped, he was saying things like, well, let's think about how we can make this, you know, proactively think and make this for all of our student athletes, make sure that they have the ability to get funds, but let's think it through so everybody gets a chance to do it. And so just because of that grand fam idea and that everybody's a part of it, nobody's getting left out is the idea that makes it attractive to student athletes. Because if you compete, like I mentioned, you get all these student athletes, they play at a high level. And if everybody's doing well, everybody's winning, the um, potential for the NIL to grow is just more and more, which then will allow for all the student athletes to eat at the same time. Because uh, as, um, oh, I'm trying to get his name. Oh, 
not money mitch give me my paid in full give me my characters on paid in full there's mitch let me see let me see, let me see let me see hey boogie ace boogie uh, eight. uh okay about to say everybody eats everybody eats everybody eats and so because that's kind of the idea out at grambling um the idea that everybody kind of you know is better uh together and that that's kind of the idea in my opinion that everybody eats a hundred percent now one 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 thing we have to talk about is the fact that Gramlin stole a couple of southern recruits and it's it's an, always a nice play for rivalry but i rarely see it where you just steal two recruits in one recruiting class from your rival school what what's about that what's going on about that it has to just be i mean we, we talked about the nil but something's brewing in Grambling, louisiana I, I really like the idea of the different type of players that they're getting because uh, they're filling out their class they're getting i mentioned earlier uh players that are playing at high major division one schools i mean if you got getting guys coming from the pack pack 12 getting guys from the big 12 um and just bringing those types of athletes here um you're telling the other athletes uh whether it's you know go play at southern you can go play at southern and you, you might have a good time but if you come here I like to think of it the way um, Nick Saban always talks about his student athletes. When he goes into a kid's room, he lets them know there's a chance that you'll play as a freshman, but there's a chance that you probably won't play as a freshman. There's actually a better chance that you won't play that you will play. But what you will do is you're going to have to compete against the best of the best. And when you compete, your ultimate goal is hopefully going to be reached. And that's why you see so many players in, you know, whether it's in the backfield, whether it's in um in the defensive secondary in defense how they got these guys sit behind other guys and they end up playing in the nfl right and that's the same type of thing i would have to assume that hugh jackson either telling these student athletes or something that he kind of is bringing the idea of competing so that everybody's going to be better and we can lift everybody up and if you're bringing guys from all these different places then when they get in you can like i said you can go to southern but we beat southern the bayou classic so you can go there but we beat them so i mean that's that's one thing right there and then also just the idea that you're going to have a chance to play against the best and eventually be your best. So that has to be it for me. And one of those players who decided to come to Grambling didn't leave Southern or anything, but actually left Texas waiting was Fajon Wilson. He is the third highest recruit to ever come to a HBCU out of high school. What is he going to bring to Grambling? I mean, I think he's going to bring energy. I think he's going to bring um, just the just the ability to kind of play at a high level. And when you have energy, when you have the ability to play at a high level and play your position at a high level, um, that's really going to put you in a position to be successful. And so that's, I mean, to leave Texas, um, who kind of struggled this year, um, to go to an HBCU that's really kind of up and coming, he believes in himself. And that's what a lot of these other kids are doing. They're believing in themselves and wanting to be the reason why these programs really kind of regain success. And I think that's what he's going to bring. And then also I want to talk about Hugh Jackson because you arrived in Shreveport around the time that Hugh arrived in Grambling. So you guys kind of coincide. What is just the general public's feeling on Hugh Jackson right now? Is it a level of optimism, skepticism? What's going on? I think that everybody's really just seeing what he's doing on the recruiting trail. Um, he, of course, he, he, got in, he was in the news for other reasons outside of um, his job at Grambling recently. Um, but they, they see what he's doing on the recruiting trail and who he's bringing in. And so the optimism is that he, he has to know what he's doing because it seems like they're offering everybody. It seems like everybody's getting an offer. Uh, everybody's uh, committing. Um, I see it on my timeline every single day. Another student athlete is committed to Grambling. Another student athlete is transferring to Grambling. Another student athlete is um, making their decision after they've got an offer from Grambling. 
And so he's really starting to kind of just bubble up um, just the potential that Grambling has for the football season moving forward. And also um, people are, are looking at him and they're really thinking about what he's kind of said. I'm outside of Grambling, what he just kind of recently said and how he's behind his people. You know, he, he he's a he's a person that's going to stand on his morals, stand on his beliefs. And he's probably telling the student athletes that as well. And that's because uh, I'm talking to one of the student athletes recently. I just did a story over a student athlete who's actually from the Long Beach area who's coming here to play at Grambling. And he just knows the rituals, the success that Grambling has had. And he that's what kind of brought him there. And that's something that Hugh Jackson wants to kind of regain. And so everybody's kind of thinking the same thing, well, that Hugh is going to be the person that can kind of not necessarily have a rebirth because the last coach, they won a SWAC championship with the last coach, but to be more consistent in that and to kind of have consistent success um, at the college level. And that's what he said in his interview. I mean, in his, in his introductory press conference, he said he wants to have consistent success and consistent championships. And that's what he's trying to put out there. And that's how the people are, are, are seeing it. I think that's always going to be the goal and should be the goal. Thank you, James Hadnight, KSLA 12, Shreveport, Texas. I ain't going to let you off the hook. You know you come back to talk about Grambling basketball eventually. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I know uh, GSU men, they, they had a tough loss to Alabama State, uh, but the GSU women had their best win, I would say, all conference season with their win over Alabama State. And so we can get it popping whenever, Mr. Gray. Of course. Tell the people where to find you. Oh, they can find me at James Hadnot underscore. Um, that's on Instagram and on Twitter. And uh, they can also find me on KSLA News 12 on uh, doing our sports page. And you will catch him again on Locked On HBCU. Thank you again, James. We appreciate you. I appreciate you, Darren. And special shout out to James Hadnot of KSLA for joining us and just discussing Gremlin's recruiting class. It was the largest in school history. Gave us some insight on just how people down there are feeling about the team. Now we're going to go forward talking about two HBCU prospects who are at the Senior Bowl. And we have Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints to give us that insight. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online because Bet Online is the place that you need to be for all of the NFL wagering this year. And football is winding down. You had the Pro Bowl yesterday, and it saddens me. It really does. It saddens me knowing that football is going to be gone in a week. But make the best use of that week. You can go to Bet Online, they're going to have player props. They're going to have where's the next fired head coach going to land, all different type of things. It's not just about what's going on on the field. But if you want to bet on the big game, best believe that that's where you need to go as well. Now, if you're listening, saying mouth of the South, football just is not my cup of tea. That's OK, because they have boxing. They have hockey. They have hockey, UFC, basketball, anything you could ask for. That's why BetOnline.net is the best in the business. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest. Way to bet on all of your favorite sports or favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game starts. As we wrap up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, we have another person joining us, Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints. He was in Mobile. He was there. I left after the combine, so that was kind of a bummer. But he was able to stay there for the Senior Bowl and was able to watch Joshua Williams, cornerback out of Fayetteville State, and Jatiah Carter, offensive tackle out of Southern. Thank you for joining the show, my guy. Oh, brother, happy to be here with you, man. Coming at you from Radio Row here in Los Angeles, getting ready for a Super Bowl pre-week. So we got a lot going on over here, but I'm glad to uh, be joining you. Excuse any of the background noise that y'all might hear. You know, there's a lot of festivities going on. 
you know, what you guys don't know is that Ross was absolutely ecstatic to be able to come back to California and record at Radio Row. Um, and what a, something else you might not know is that his draft crush is Joshua Williams. And no, not just because he's on the show. You can hear him talk about that on Locked on Saints as well. But what was it about Joshua Williams that just made you so infatuated when looking at his tape? Every NFL team has a prototype that they like at specific positions. And sometimes that prototype is built on skin, uh, skill set. Some of them are built upon stature. And, you know, I cover the New Orleans Saints. And with covering the Saints, one of the things that the New Orleans Saints really love when it comes to their prototypical cornerbacks is somebody that is over six foot and hovers around 200 pounds and has great speed. You look at Marshawn Lattimore. You look at Paulson Adebo. You look at uh, Ken Crawley. These guys in the past, they have a prototype that they really like, P.J. Williams. And so when it comes down to what Joshua Williams brings to the table before he even steps on the field, is stuff you can't teach. Height, weight, speed. Those are the things that you can't teach. They are effectively who they are as a prospect there. And he checks all those boxes before he even steps on the field. Then he steps on the field, and then you see a lot. There's a lot there to like. He has great ball production. He was hardly targeted when he was playing at Fayetteville State. He was absolutely dominant against his competition. And I know that a lot of folks that are kind of like draft traditionalists are going to say, well, he's coming out of Fayetteville State, so what's the competition there? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you're out there and you're outperforming the competition that you, that you have in front of you, then it's time to take the step to the next level and I think Joshua Williams is somebody that's going to be drafted and I think he helped himself quite a bit in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I agree about the uh, conversation about competition level it exists but let's not act like it doesn't right let's not just excuse it there are people who are going to say that both in media and in scout in the scouting world however that's what the Senior Bowl is meant for for guys who are maybe not having the same level of competition to come in and show what they can do against higher competition what was Williams able to show this week in the in the senior bowl? I think that he showed you two really important pieces to his game against higher competition in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, the first of which is catch-up speed. He's got really, really good catch-up speed. He doesn't panic. Even if he loses early in a rep, he has a really, really great recovery pace, and he keeps his head about him. He doesn't get to a point to where he gets too far, too much into his head, or if he loses, then he all of a sudden gives up on a play. He's always fighting through the whistle, fighting through the contact, fighting through the rep, and you love to see that. That's something that is absolutely going to show up on tape and something that these you know NFL scouts, NFL coaches, they absolutely love that. The second piece that I think that he showed you is his football IQ. There was a great play to where he was dropping back in zone. There was a tight end that was coming up the seam from the opposite side of the field, and he left the responsibility in terms of the location of where he was supposed to be to pick up that tight end that was technically outside of his zone, but he made the right choice. He carried that tight end up. He was kind of running a corner route to the outside post, and he was able to pick him up deter the quarterback from throwing his way which is what he has done his entire career at Fayetteville State he has deterred quarterbacks from targeting him and going after him and you saw it again in Mobile at the Senior Bowl yeah I actually saw that play it was actually really impressive along with a couple of his one-on-one reps they were yeah. all really good I, I mean from what I could see because I wasn't there so I just had to go off of Twitter clips it looked like he was really one of the standouts in wide receiver cornerback one-on-one yeah, absolutely. Him and then probably like Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. Again, another small school guy. So you get the opportunity here to see at the Senior Bowl what these small school prospects can do. Both of those guys showed that tremendous catch-up speed. They hit their top speed thanks to Zebra Technologies tracking all that in moments to where they lost a one-on-one rep but had to catch up to be able to make a play on the ball. And that was absolutely something that he 
really kind of proved for himself at the next level of competition because it's one thing to catch up with some of those you know lower level receivers but when you're catching up to some of the best receivers in college football and guys that lit up the scoreboard all weekend it's showing you something yeah and he was the second fastest guy on the first day of practice if i believe uh, according to zebra and We've talked off camera, and this is one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting that you said, and I would love if you shared it with the listener. The idea of senior bowl practice versus senior bowl game. Yeah, yeah. So the game is a tricky portion of the senior bowl because effectively, if you're a prospect showing up to participate in the senior bowl, you're handed a playbook on like Tuesday, and then you have to play a game on Saturday. And that can be a little daunting, and that's tough, right? It's tough to build and, and learn an entire playbook before you have to go out there and execute plays against an opponent at full speed with NFL coaches breathing down your neck at that. But practice, three practices, two practices a day, it gives you an opportunity to watch a prospect work on a specific detail over and over and over again. Run a specific concept over and over and over again and see if they take those steps towards progression. You're not looking for somebody to be perfect on Tuesday and then remain perfect through Thursday. You want to see a step up. You want to see progression throughout the week and the reps, practice, all of that. That's a great time to see it. Yeah, so let's switch gears to another guy, another HBCU guy, and that's Mr. Carter out of Southern. What were you able to see from him during some of the offensive line, defensive line drills? Yeah, I think one of the things that I really, really liked about watching Carter play was his versatility. You saw him at left guard, you saw him at right guard, you saw him move around quite a bit. The NFL's view of offensive line is no longer a five-person position. It is a six- or seven-player position now. Every offensive line, every offensive line coach, every head coach, every offensive coordinator around the NFL, they want those guys that you can swing in at multiple positions, that you can add as, you know, swap out a tight end and add in an extra offensive lineman so you can run your your power plays or your your short yarded situations things like that and so when you can come in and you can show that versatility that you can play from anywhere on the line or you can play multiple spots on the line that's really helpful and that helps as a big time selling point so it was that and he is also another one that does not give up until that whistle is maybe echoing <laughs> or until after the echo has gone away from the whistle he plays through his reps he plays through he fights through all of uh through his contact all of that and uh that was something that you really like to see from him and I think those two are two of the greater intangibles for offensive linemen. You know, especially Absolutely. now, like I said, there's a lot of different positions. They want people who can swing from tackle to guard. They want people who are going to play with effort. But speaking on his versatility, where do you think he projects best for going in the going into the NFL? Yeah, I think he's going to be an interior offensive lineman that it's going to be able to play left or right guard effectively. So he's going to be a swing guard for you in the NFL. And I think that's a really good place to be. It's a great place to make sure that you build in uh, you, you keep yourself from being expendable by being able to play multiple roles. Basically, any team that's looking to build a roster is going to look for one guy, one paycheck that's going to be able to fill multiple positions, right? And so if you can be that guy, I think that that helps to work in your favor quite a bit, especially as a young guy coming into the NFL. 100%. I don't know if you guys know, this the man right here, Ross Jackson, locked on Saints. He does everything, but we're just going to list locked on Saints. And he actually... Actually, on a serious note, he is the reason that I'm sitting here right here in front of you guys. So I'm always grateful that he was able to put, you know, his name out there for me, man. I really do appreciate that. And I want to say that on air. I know I've told you that a bunch of times, you know, on the phone and whatnot, but I wanted to say that on air as well. I, I appreciate that, homie. But hey, you got yourself in that seat, yo. You did it all. I'm just glad that I get to be a part of your journey, my man.
No doubt, man. Make sure you guys check out Ross Jackson. You can follow him on Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A, on Twitter. And, you know, make sure you guys are checking out Locked On Saints. I appreciate you coming on, my guy. Anytime, homie. Appreciate you. Much love to my guy Ross Jackson coming on. Y'all caught a little bit of, I'm trying to get like you, no, I'm trying to get like you, little action right there at the end of the episode. But it's always great talking to Ross on or off air. But I appreciate you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day. Make sure you come back tomorrow, do the same thing, make it the first listen. And for your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked On Bets. You got your boy Q and Lee Sterling coming on to give you a little bit of advice, a little bit of expert analysis to put a little bit more money in your pocket. Free game for big games. It's really that simple. And in the meantime, in between time, you can catch me on that blue app, that bird, yes, Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until next time we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.